So welcome back, Cal and listeners, to Methodical Millions, Episode 4. I wanted to start off with a question today. So Cal, in the last episode, you said there's no excuse towards learning. But what would you say to our listeners who don't have money? So that's a solid question. A lot of people wonder that, you know, I can barely pay my bills and maybe I live paycheck to paycheck. And my answer to that is, I actually have been there at one point in my life, though I was paid well enough, I would say above average. But the problem there is money management. I would personally think that it comes down to really separating what you need from what you want. It sounds, again, very simple, but that's the case, right? So I know that I definitely need uh, rent or mortgage. Uh, I definitely need to pay my electricity bill, internet, and transportation, and obviously food. So basically, other than that, I would consider almost anything else would be a luxury or a want. Okay, so there might be a few exceptions to that, but that's basically it. So what I look at is I look at my paycheck, and I divide my paycheck accordingly, and segregate the amount I need for my needs that I need to pay my monthly expenses. And then any excess would be basically uh, able to save, right? So obviously, some people like to go out and have fun. Some people like to go shopping or treat themselves every now and then. There's nothing wrong with that if, as long as it's properly managed. But I would think now for those who really want to invest and definitely grow financially, that would be the key. And that's the start for you to actually be able to save bit by bit. Interesting. Those are, uh, those are good tips. Do you have any personal budgeting tips for actually going through your expenses? Um, personally, I'm actually a big fan of the Mint app. I've been using yeah. it for years now. You kind of do have to plug in your info, so that's at your discretion, but I find it useful for historical information. So I spent this much on Tim Hortons last month or Starbucks. I spent this much in this certain category, Amazon shopping. So it's a good reflective view on what's going on and you can kind of go month by month. So my experience of not wanting to budget in the past usually came from, oh, it takes too much time. It's kind of like, I don't know, most people don't like Excel, for example. So I'm a Mint app kind of guy. What about you? Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that you told me about Mint before, and I actually have been using a very old school method. I actually just use my notes. So every month, I start a new note for that month. And then I date the whole note every single day of the month there. And then day by day, I actually log every single thing that I spend. Right? So if I go to the supermarket and buy a pack of gum, I put it in there. If I go fill up my car with fuel, I put it in there. If I pay my phone bill, I put it in there. Anything I spend, I put it in there day by day, right? And I usually have the method of rounding it up. So I would round up the figure every time. So even if it was, for example, if it cost me $5.10, I would round it up to $6, right? So that's a 90 cent roundup, but for me, it puts things into perspective because first of all, those rounding up would add up at the end to see that I actually have saved up some money. And also 
it would limit me from actually trying to go spend more because it would show that I actually spent more than I really did. So basically what I think the Mint app does, but just manually. And then I add it up every single day. I just add it up day by day. And by the end of the month, I can see exactly how much I spent. And I've been obviously more or less, it's not exact every month, but I have a very good idea of what an average month looks like for me. And any month that I go slightly over, I just go back and I look maybe where did I spend a bit more? Did I eat out more? Did I buy some clothes? Whatever the case might be, right? So, and it's been amazing because on top of the fact that I actually manage my money, I started implementing it even when I carry cash. I'm not a person who usually carry cash on me, but when I do, and again, anytime I spend cash, let's say at the cashier, any change I get in terms of actual change, a coin change, I would actually put aside. I would not keep it in the car or in my pocket and reuse it. I would actually put it aside and collect it. And then until it becomes a small, nice amount, let's say $50 or $100, then I would save it up for my investing for whatever the case might be. So just a couple of tips of how I do things, but it's very similar to, I guess, what you do with Mint. That's uh, that's awesome, man. You know what? I actually do the rounding thing as well. And I don't know where I picked that up along the way, but it's really useful, mostly because I'll actually write down, let's say, um, I don't know, your phone bill is $55.40. I'll always round up to $56 because when you round up, what you'll find is that if you budget for that, you'll have enough. It's not about, not even for myself, for the extra incremental savings. It's just that I know I'm going to spend $1,000 on bills this month if my actual bills are $9.86, for example. So by rounding each category or each bill, a, I like even numbers as well. It's less uh, yeah. mental tax, right, to think about that. But I was going to say that's the accountant in you doing it all manually, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess so. I guess. So. But I have downloaded Mint. I just never started using it. So I guess I better get on that because it seems to be even helpful with showing you where you're spending your money. It's, you know what? I don't like to personally advocate for certain apps necessarily, but I found it useful. Um, so, all our listeners can do their own diligence if they want to use it or if they like it. It's very good for historical budgeting. So what did I actually spend on bills? What did I actually spend on shopping, on food? It's very good at categorizing. And there's small adjustments you have to make. It might miscategorize, but it helps me understand where my money's going. And it'll show you income versus expenses. Why do I like it? It's low effort. You don't need to put a lot of thought into it. And if budgeting scares you, maybe you're not into numbers. I think both of us are by virtue of our backgrounds and what we do for a living. But most people hate budgeting is the impression I get. So I would recommend that. Um, I've heard of you need a budget as well. That version is kind of like Excel. It's more manual. You type in every transaction. Uh, that one is paid software. So I wouldn't necessarily advocate to go spend money to budget. I think that defeats the purpose, you know, but I wanted to give a shout out to leaving notes down. So a Google app I've been a huge fan of is Google Keep. So I've been using this as my, um, if I've got an idea, if I've got a birthday gift to buy, I'll use Google Keep and it's tied to your Gmail. 
you can set tasks, you can set grocery lists. Personal finance, I find, is is um, analogous to: Are you an organized person? Are you on top of the day to day? What's going on in life? So, I find Google Keep super useful, and uh, they've got a card style. So, I don't usually do a daily budget on my end, but what I'll do is I'll write budget and I'll write the day. So. That's kind of like the historical moment in time and when did I last look at what I got going on. So while I have you all here, I can actually pull it up and I've got categories. So I'll write down things like subscriptions. You got internet, you got phone, utilities, um, some dry cleaning, car insurance. And I kind of leave the food one variable. That's been my biggest struggle personally, which is I tend to overspend on skip the dishes. I'll find that's my vice. So what I deemed essential are the ones that aren't variable, they're fixed. So um, a couple Dropbox subscriptions I use personally for business, the gym, those are kind of fixed. Those really won't change over time. So I bundle mine into fixed categories. I've got my mortgage in there. And then you start adding these up. And what you'll find is that you take that number and then you can throw in your food, you can throw in your entertainment, which could be going out, like you said, and you'll come up with some number and that number better be below your monthly income. If it's not, just take a pause for a second and say, do I need to get a side hustle? Do I need to maybe reconsider my expenses? And the reason why I put those into a fixed category are because they're not easily changed, right? It's like, you're not going to move that often. You're not going to disconnect your internet. That's an essential as we talked about. It should be a human right, I would argue. So you have those fixed expenses and then you can kind of add in your subscriptions. I actually, it's funny that we're talking about this because I did cut out a bunch of subscriptions now that what's the number? I think a million Canadians applied for EI last week. It's some huge, huge number. So our apologies to everyone who's been affected by what's going on. Hang in there, right? Stay safe. But this is a good example of me reviewing my budget. What do I not really need? What can I live without? And you know what? It's just, it's not that I couldn't afford the Audible subscription or the YouTube premium. If my income starts to drop, given the climate, or it's more uncertain, I'm going to dial back expenses. It's like every good business should do. It's just managing your cash going in and cash going out. And it's just being sensible and being on top of things. So Google Keep, I'm a huge fan of two thumbs up. I really, really use that. And it helps me feel, you know what? I can take a deep breath of relief and say, I'm in control. I'm not have to worry about money. And it takes years. It's not overnight. I used to be the guy, you know, always spending without an idea of what I'm spending. But I would argue that it is an essential part to the foundation of investing is you really, we talked about sustainability. You need to have this part under control. So definitely spend some time going over this, know what this looks like. What's worked for me once you have it kind of under control is maybe once a month, go back and take a look. I tend to do it maybe once every two weeks, which goes in line with a paycheck. It's like making sure everything's running okay, making sure I'm not going over anywhere. No, very well said. That's exactly like something like that doesn't happen overnight. If you're, let's say, struggling to make ends meet or not being able to save or living on credit cards you got to start somewhere and by logging it in people have been telling about me years and years just write down your expenses and i just thought how by writing them down would help me i know exactly what i'm spending money on but 
it actually really does work. And that way, like I said, you'd be able to take away what you don't need to spend. We're supposed to actually save up the majority of our income and not spend the majority of our income. The problem is the ones of us who actually save, we spend 80 to 90% of our income and maybe save 10% if that. With being able to do this, you'd be able to save 40, 50, 60% of your income even because you realize how many of the things that you don't actually need. And by doing that, you're living below your means in that sense, and that will actually help you grow. That will get you to a point where you will be living, and I can speak firsthand about something like this, you'd be living in a better financial state than some people who are actually living at a higher pay bracket, purely because of the fact that you have better money management. So you do the tracking. Are there any other ways someone can do that? I don't know. I think it would drive me a bit crazy tracking it myself every day. So what are some alternatives that you know work? Or what do you tell someone who doesn't have enough money coming in? They've budgeted, but it's just not enough. They're going to be behind. What do you say to someone like that? Uh, I would say there are a couple of ways that I would think about it. Uh, first is now you and I have both been in this situation before in, in this like a period of where we both work multiple jobs at once. So if you're unable to, or you feel that the income that you're getting from your current job is not sufficient for you to, to save and then therefore invest in the future, then I would say, like you said, you know, find yourself a side hustle, anything really that might help you get a bit of money and but make sure you dedicate that money towards nothing but saving. And uh, many people would take that money and think, oh, I got more cash now. I can go eat out and hang out with my friends more. And I'll buy myself this nice car and get the latest and greatest cell phone that's out. And all of that stuff you don't need. Just to put in perspective, a few months ago, actually almost a year ago, I dropped my phone and it cracked the screen. And I was able to use it still, but I was in a state of trying to save as much as I can as well. It was... Uh, period of transition. I had a lot of big expenses coming up. I was trying to close on a deal on getting my current apartment. So that's a big expense. So I was trying to save up wherever I can. And I did not end up buying a phone right away. I was able to use my phone and I was doing my research for a couple months. And maybe that's a bit excessive, to be honest. But I decided to go on a certain cell phone. And then the phone that I actually wanted, which is a bit higher priced, I was able to find brand new on sale and it was on a blowout deal. And I was very lucky. I ended, again, it was a bit more than what I budgeted for, but it was phenomenal deal. It was almost 40% off or something. It was brand new. So I ended up getting that phone and I'm very happy with it. But basically what I'm saying is you don't need the latest iPhone or Samsung or Android or whatever the phone would be. You don't need to have a best car. So things like that. I actually had a pretty nice performance car. I ended up selling it because I realized I don't need to have that much capital tied up to a depreciating asset. And all I need to do is find a car that gets me to and from work. And yeah, so I end up selling my car, buying another more affordable one and pocketing the difference. And my lifestyle hasn't changed. I still commute to work just fine. I run my errands just fine. But now I have a bit more cash in the bank. And obviously I'm putting that money to work. But that's 
basically a few ways that you can do that. You can side hustle, save on your expenditures, because we think that we need all of this stuff until we actually get down to it and really notice that, wait a minute, I don't need to buy the next iPhone I've been saving up for. I can use that money instead to invest. I just wanted to add, I came across this post on Instagram a few months ago, and it said that at the time of the first iPod, when the first iPod came out, if you put that money towards Apple stock, and that was by the end of last year, so it was approaching the end of 2019, that money would have been worth $62,000. And I couldn't actually believe it, but it was I think it was at the time where the dot-com bubble burst or something. So I think it was around that time. So Apple stock was pretty cheap, relatively speaking. And during that run, when they did the math of 62,000, it was actually Apple was on a big run, but Apple is a very solid company. It's got its finances together. I'm a big advocate of what they're doing, even though I actually don't have an iPhone, but nonetheless, it's a good company. So it just shows you could be the person that you put money to the stock and your friend could be the one who bought the iPod. To put things into perspective, you know, you think, okay, if I save up for the new iPhone, like seriously, what's it going to do for me? Well, that's, that's what it's going to do for you. It's every single dollar counts. Just let that sink in for a second. So yeah. I'm going to need to pause because I'm thinking of what anyone can do with that kind of money. That's actually almost insane. So what you're saying is almost as if your decisions in life could have a long-term effect. So spend less, be sensible, be grounded, and also think about the opportunity, right? I think people in the finance world call that opportunity cost. Do I buy $300 of an Apple product or Apple stock? Do I spend money on coffee versus bettering myself? And can you tell our listeners a bit about that? What does opportunity cost me? Yeah, of course. So opportunity cost is basically like you just touched on. By me doing something, what's the, like, for example, if I'm buying this latest product, right? What's the cost of, what am I potentially missing out? And by you missing out is the cost that it cost you to, to get this product, right? So just like the example we've just used, that $400 technically 20 years from now costs you the effective amount of 60 or $62,000 or whatever it was. So it's a big, big difference. Now, there's no guarantees that at the time when you buy the Apple stock, you know it's going to turn into that big, you know, hindsight 2020. But you know that by investing it, putting it to work, it's going to turn into something way bigger than the $400 is. So basically, everything that you do will actually help you or put you back in terms of your financial situation. And that's why if you know that you can slash a dollar here or a dollar there, but at the same time, that dollar could be put to work and actually end up helping you grow financially in terms of your investments or just yourself, right? That might be the amount that will take you out of your student debt or cover the rest of your mortgage or put you into a retirement. And it starts with a dollar, right? Every single one starts with a dollar. Like you and I haven't started with $100,000 in the bank, right? We started with a few hundred dollars and it took us a while to come up with that at first, right? So everyone starts somewhere and it's a long journey. It's not easy. It's not fast, right? But it's just part of the game. 
that's very powerful. You know, every dollar has a purpose and money is fuel. Money is fuel to better yourself. And with that frame of mind, I think that's the right way of looking at it. So fantastic, Cal. Very, very good. I'm glad we covered that because I know without covering personal finance, investing is just not in, in anyone's frame of mind. So thanks to all our listeners for tuning in methodicalmillions.com for future episodes if you'd like to follow us there as well as info at methodicalmillions.com for any episode feedback or comments we'd love to hear from you thanks john thanks everyone thanks cal